today on Dateline NBC. <laughs> Two Spirit Penguin interviews Hunter Biden. I did not. <laughs> now, Hunter, I saw the video. It seemed as if you may have been enjoying a glass dick while having your dick rubbed by crackhead feet. Now, these feet looked like they had a few boils on them. Please tell me, were you concerned about germs and the spread of the coronavirus? Listen, I can't confirm nor deny such allegations of feet rubs or foot jobs or crack smoking, but there were boils, yes. <laughs> and we could have got the coronavirus, maybe. <laughs> but I wasn't thinking about it at the time. But again, I cannot confirm the first matter. <laughs> Is it true that you were in Wuhan at Ground Zero when the Wuhan flu came? Could it have been that your escapades actually started this global crisis? It's just merely a coincidence. I was haggling for dog in the local market at the time with my buddy Ying Yang. Uh, <laughs> that is racist, sir. I demand you apologize. I think, you know, the culture just needs to get with the times. I think dog is really good. Uh, yeah. You gotta say more. <laughs> Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar. As the prophecy was once given a foot job, I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. Broadcaster Nichols isn't here right now. And today we're going to talk a little multiplayer beta first impressions of Call of Duty Cold War. Broadcaster Nichols, I was quite a bit surprised by this beta. I was going into it not expecting any enjoyment. I, I thought, okay, with Cold War, I'm just going to go in for the campaign in and out. I didn't think I'd even touch the multiplayer in this game. And lo and behold, I got into this beta with you as well, and it was more fun than I've had playing Call of Duty multiplayer in at least six years. I I struggle to think of one since Modern Warfare 2 that I had as much fun with. Yeah, I mean, I try to like reserve my my excitement and my expectations because I got the same feeling with... Uh, Black Ops 4, when Blackout first came, when they, well, at least when they, at the last minute when they showed Blackout, I was like, oh my God, this is what's going to bring me back from Call of, to Call of Duty. And it did, honestly. I had played <laughs> Call did. of Duty priorly, uh, previously since I don't know how long. Modern Warfare 3, I think. And, oh, it's the worst but, one. <laughs> That's like but, the worst Call of yeah, Duty of all time. To, <laughs> to get to the point, I guess, was that I the feeling persisted for the next two games, which is. Modern Warfare, and now this one coming up, Cold War. Mm. It just seems like, I'm like, am I just in this Call of Duty machine now? Am I just, am I getting to that level where it's just like every time a Call of Duty drops, it's like hype, you know, because it seems like they fall flat every fucking year. And it kind of, this is going to be the third time. And if they fail me this time, I'm just probably going to jump ship, you know, like I did oh so long ago. But 
Yeah, I I wasn't hyped at all for Black Ops 4 multiplayer. I was in the beta for that as well, and I wasn't super impressed with it. I wasn't super impressed with the multiplayer in Modern Warfare either, although it was cool how different it was. It was, uh, like, obviously it's a new engine, and it felt much more realistic, which is what they were going for. It, It felt heavier and weightier and, like all the movement was slowed down and it felt like it rewarded strategy over uh running and gunning which i liked but it the it had no staying power for me i could not play modern warfare multiplayer past like match 20 and i i just got bored as fuck with it i think i did 50 matches of uh cold war just in beta alone and i probably would still be playing it right now if the beta was still up yeah the levels were boring I think that was Modern Warfare's main weakness. Yeah. This go around. The levels were just kind of mundane, besides the ones that came back from previous mm-hmm. games. Yeah, and with Cold War, I liked every level except for uh, Cartel. Cartel, I thought, was super just generic boilerplate Call of Duty level. Cartel, I hated at first. It was my least favorite. It kind of grew on me, but it's still definitely in the end stayed my least favorite. But I, yeah. at the end, I gained a little respect for it. Once you get the the feel of Cartel, you can play it. And that's yeah. one thing I will say about Cold War's maps right off the bat. The dynamic movements and geography that you can uh, pretty much navigate in each level is way more. Like it's, There's just way more of it than... Uh, modern warfare one the grappling's back which allows what i just said but just for like the take the least favorite level for instance which is cartel that is a focal point um hill level where you you have two asymmetrical sides and at the at the very middle there's a um, pretty much elevated hillside that has um, one side's going downhill and then one's going into a hangar and I just think if you know how to play that level well, then it. it you, I, let me take back what I said. That level is the most manipulatable. If you know what you're doing, yeah. then that level you can dominate on the easiest. Yeah, the level design was on point. Even even the level I don't like, Cartel, what you're talking about right now, it is a very well-designed level. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm not trying to say it's not well-designed. I just didn't like the motif. I didn't like the generic nature of it. I, yeah. But you're right. Like As soon as we first played it's that level... It's the dynamic level they have. It is. like you One game and you realize, oh, dude, like there are some very specific points of power on this map. And it's very well distributed across the map. No doubt. And, it's uh, just small. That's why I think it kind mm. of falls short. It's the it's, I think it's its biggest weakness when it comes to longevity playing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a small map, and it's only available. It don't I should say it only feels good with certain variants. So, the the main problem I have with it is that it it feels like a map that I've already played a hundred times. It's a new map, <laughs> and I've never played it before. But the very first time I played it. I could swear to God that I'd played this map a hundred times. It could be from a previous uh, Call of Duty. It's possible. I've skipped a few, but it's definitely not from any of the ones I've played. Hmm. But it's similar to lots of levels that I have played. 
it has very similar uh so like that area at the bottom of the map that's sort of like a little creek or whatever i don't know what that actually is but it's like this little crevice that runs at the bottom of the map they have a version of that i swear in every call of duty like there's just this version where there's a little stone underbelly of this map that like goes underneath and then there are like sight lines above it yeah well i have no doubt they have um they suffer from a uh, psychological template imprint if you will from mm-hmm. making the same game for so many years you know yeah <laughs> even if they they try not to they're still going to have those traits just built into their their building yeah yeah it's it's definitely very similar to past treyarch maps like i swear treyarch does a version of this map every one of their games but it's a little different every time and I think you just give it a rest. Let's go for fully different. Like Miami. What a level Miami is. It is. It's a really good level. Again, I don't know if it it might be a remake of a of another Call of Duties. Though. I highly doubt it. Miami it was really such good. a hot it feels really tailored to Cold War because Miami was a yeah. huge hot spot in the Cold War with Cuba and everything. So it just makes sense that that area would be specific to Cold War. Yeah. It's pretty it's a dope level. It's I think it's my favorite pick out of all of them. Yeah. For the regular multiplayer levels definitely. So so we have the regular multiplayer in the beta, but then we also had like that fire team mode that had like 20 versus 20 and it had huge maps. And yeah. uh, one of them was that ship level with like zip lines connecting all the ships together. That was incredible. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't honestly, I, I, yeah, I guess I should say that's my favorite tiny, like traditional tiny map, like 10 V 10 or five mm-hmm. V five death match or hard point or domination or whatever. Kill confirmed, whatever. Yeah. You want. But the other one mosh pit is what I think you're referring to. And then, the other two, which was called that uh, mosh pit. That's yeah, a dumb it's name. Mosh, it's mosh pit, and then there's dirty bomb, and then there's a third one. I forget what it was. Oh yeah, VIP. VIP. I totally hated because, well, I shouldn't say totally hated. I just didn't get into it because you need a full team that's mic'd and ready to communicate. Mm-hmm. You can't just lobby into VIP. It's just garbage. <laughs> yeah, VIP is definitely a pre-made mode. You yeah, want to dirty- have a full team. For sure. And Dirty Bomb's almost just the same, but you, I, I won enough in Dirty Bomb just queuing as a blueberry in, into a random group that I was confident that it, it could be done, but still it wasn't great, the greatest experience. Um, it, but it, what we were playing, which I think was Mosh Pit, that was my favorite out of the three. Just because you could play Armada, which was the coolest level, period, if you're if you're combining all the maps they have. That was the most dope level I've ever seen on a Call of Duty game. <laughs> it was Super so cool. fucking <laughs> cool, dude. It like so it's basically five uh frigate, like giant military boats yeah. with Momentum surrounding the, boats. The, the game type, right? Yeah. I forget exactly what it was called. It's like five capture points, and you have to continuously get them. 
Well, it had different modes. So, like, in that mode that you queue into, within it, there are several variants. And one of them... they were all capture variants. They were all capture variants, but they were slightly different. So, one was, like, you go for this capture, someone wins or loses, move on to the next capture. Win, lose, move on to the next capture. Then there was just, like, a straight-up domination variant, where it's like you're always trying to have control of all of the capture points. Oh, yeah, right, right. So it's very subtle, the difference. The one where you'd move on from point to point felt much more like uh, something that you'd want to do in, like, ranked mode. Like, it felt like a ranked style mode. And it might be. That might be what it was. We might have been beta testing. Could be, yeah. I don't know. That that mode seemed chaotic enough. To the point where I was just getting kills with the sniper. Yeah. Was like, just some oh, dirty awesome. ass kills. I mean, how great is it that swimming's back, by the way? So yep. refreshing. Yeah. Just swim again. Half, half the games, I would just stand out in the ocean sniping people from the water. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. And people would come after me in the water. I'd jump down. I'd do a little dive and I'd fucking have a sniper battle with them underwater totally brought back those old school blackout vibes i loved every yeah. second of my time in that mode For it sure. was awesome and not Even, only is it fun it's meta <laughs> it's super meta yeah. yeah yeah and there's there's like four different types of vehicles right like there's two boat variants and two wave runner variants or maybe one wave runner so there might be three but like the the way that you have a wave runner just you just like look at it, hit F, it you jump on it, you drop down in the water like a fucking badass, and then you're just off to the races. And like these things handle just like real wave runners. It was really fun using them. Like you could go on little suicide runs because they're so fast, people can't really shoot you off them. I mean they can if they're really well, they fucking can. good, but it's just hard. Your line of, it matters on your line of sight. Definitely. But you could use those things to like do little suicide runs where you're just going full blast into an area, then you jump off real quick and go underwater and then kind of they don't know where you're at and you can kind of yeah, go you can rambo swim on them. under these boats yeah that's like well the, at least the middle one though the cat that has the two uh, um, sections that you can go in between those the, the bottom of those are a little bit thinner than the bigger boat on the side but i just thought it was so dope that you can actually swim underneath these boats <laughs> yeah it, it was cool and it i don't know if this is copying battlefield because i don't really play battlefield but like from like the press and like the promotional material i've seen from battlefield it feels like this mode might have been them trying to steal some thunder from them what do you think yeah i I, it definitely felt more like a battlefield level but there wasn't enough like activity going on battlefield is way more um busy I'll say, you know, like people are constantly parachuting in with uh, loadouts and then they're they're driving planes. They can bring in blimps and tanks constantly, you know, like it's just it's a it's a literal war zone on most most battlefield games. Or I might be thinking of Bad Company. I'm not quite sure. I don't play enough of those games to know. I thought Bad Company was a battlefield game. Am I tripping? Was it? I don't know anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say that the weapon balance was really interesting in this game because I felt like every single weapon was good 
and I don't usually feel like that in any first-person shooters, but there was not a single weapon I used in that game where I felt, oh, I can't use this. This is gimp. This is wet noodle. I felt that at first, and then, well, first, I'll say you're right, but at first, I thought all the weapons were equal. Then I realized it was just like any other Call of Duty, and there were two guns or three guns that were in particularly the best <laughs> that one, be, those three being the spaz shotgun, the, uh, what was it? The CAG six or, or crag six. I forget the submachine gun or whatever it was. And then the M four a one or M hmm. four, whatever they called it in that game. I think it was the M four a one. Yeah. You dope those out. And <laughs> especially the spaz dude, when I when I could hear people coming up, even if I my shots were all shit, <laughs> I could just unload twelve shots with that thing so quick, <laughs> and if three of them just partially hit, it was game over. Yeah, the shotgun play in that game was super old school feeling. Like it felt like playing Doom almost with the double barrel. Yeah, gave it, me some old halo vibes with the shotgun yeah it it has an old school power level that you don't usually like the the shotguns in modern warfare are fucking garbage like this is a huge reversal from that like shotguns felt super meta in cold war beta no doubt and uh it's interesting how treyarch has sort of just put a stake in the ground and said hey we're the arcade call of duty They've they've sort of like stuck that as their their identity now with this Cold War game because they they had a chance to say we're gonna follow modern warfare into this new engine, into this new style. They said, fuck you, Infinity Ward, we're sticking with our shit. This is yeah. not anything like modern warfare. It's the old engine, it's the old style of gameplay, it's the old style of weapon balance. Everything just feels like old arcadey style. Call of Duty. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I always take the whole it's the same engine type thing lightly, you know, because it's clearly gone through refinements. It's been a few years. Oh, it's so, inc- it's improved for sure. It's improved quite a bit. And they've had time to master their skills with said engine on top of that. So true. You know, but you it, can tell it is good, if it, not better than what Modern Warfare brought. <laughs> it is definitely the Black Ops 4 engine improved though because no, no. you jump into the water the first time and it's instantly recognizable if you spend any time yeah. in the water and blackout. It no, is no. definitely the same engine. Yeah, there's nothing cooler than jumping off a zip line halfway into the water or off, off a jet ski or something like that into the water or fucking drive around with a battle boat someone on the turret on the back and you're just raising hell because i've gone to killing spree with some of those boats (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's cool too because usually with those types of gun boats one person has to drive and one person gets to shoot the turret in this mode i don't know if this is permanent or if it was just a beta thing but you drove the boat and you aim the turret and use the weapon that's the primary weapon yeah but there's a there's a secondary turret on the back (laughs) no one really no one really jumped in but i never even noticed that Hmm. yeah it's pretty because it's you know you're kind of exposed Hmm. lost sniper play goes on on that level it's kind of risky position to be in (laughs) yeah yeah and then and dirty bomb is basically like them doing an undercover battle royale 
just like missing a few key components just enough to where Activision won't lash their hands saying, we told you not to make a battle Royale. Yeah. It's clearly, (laughs) it's clearly the remnants of blackout. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that on a different map. They were, I don't know what it is to be honest. It's kind of weird. Like maybe they're trying to say that you can take the principles of battle Royale and kind of make it smaller and more of like a core, uh, traditional type like amongst kill confirmed and stuff like that maybe that's what they're experimenting with but right now what they're giving you which is dirty bomb just seems like a half-cocked battle royale yeah i mean it's basically just battle royale with respawning and uh no 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 looting weapons on the ground or whatever so like you still loot you still find chests but instead of finding weapons, you find perks. You find, like, he- attack helicopters and shit like that. Yep. So it, it is interesting. Like, the lines they're drawing with that mode feel very interesting and arbitrary in odd ways. As if, like, they're being told, this is how far you can go and no further. <laughs> I hope if that ver- that game type is not successful, that they at least repurpose that map for something else. Because that map is super dope. And being able to get on the snowmobiles and going uphill and going to the other side and stuff. It's super dope. I yeah. like it. They need to keep it. Yeah. It, it's sn- like a giant ski resort, right? That's what it is. <laughs> I think that is, yeah, it is. And that is definitely one of the things I liked on the meta of this game. It's like on one end we have the wave runners and on the other end we have the snowmobiles. Like my two favorite forms of travel. Just boom, <laughs> right there for you. The snowmobiles feel a little less accurate. The wave runners, yeah, the wave runners feel perfect. Like when I was driving those around, I'm like, God damn, this is like a simulation. Like the way the physics worked with the wave runner was perfect. But the snowmobiles, not so much. They're, it's almost like you're snowmobiling on ice a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's a little slick. Yeah, but I, I'm hoping they'll, they'll shore that up a little bit. But, uh, broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our, are you ready to get to our preview <laughs> of a movie that's so relevant to our time that I couldn't even say it without stuttering? Fat Man. Man, you should have seen the grin on my fucking face when my brother, <laughs> other brother, <laughs> our other brother, I should say, <laughs> told me about Fat Man. He's just like, dude, Mel Gibson's playing Santa Claus. And I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> Because that's how our brother sounds. Done and done. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is going to be lame or something. Because I, I thought maybe he was actually taking it to a literal biblical route. You know, he's going to do some Passion of the Christ ex-Santa Claus type shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not about this. But then I quick, my mind was quickly changed when I watched the preview. You know, this is more like Edge of Darkness meets Santa Claus. All right. <laughs> Mixing malt and goggins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked for this movie. That was a stunning endorsement from one Hunter Biden. Take that back. What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. <laughs> Hey, you over there. Are you a straight-up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. 
Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Fat Man. Broadcaster Nichols, what in the hell is this movie? What do you think this movie truly is? Do you think that we're dealing with an action movie, a comedy, or a horror? It's definitely not a horror. I think it's going to be a drama, action, family, get-together, great time. (laughs) Kind of like Die Hard and what are those other two great movies? Oh, yeah, Die Hard 2 and (laughs) 3. Yeah, it's it feels like Duke Nukem Santa Claus to me. It like I could just see him going into a titty bar and waving cash in front of a three tittied alien chick. That's the vibes I was getting from this movie. Fuck yeah! It's one of the one. It's one of the main things the future has disappointed me on. No three titty chicks yet. What the fuck? I'm surprised no one's like done it like with plastic surgery. You know, like there's so many weirdos out there that do so many weird things to their bodies. I, I, I was just joking. There was somebody that did it. Oh it, god, it, damn it! it. Ain't right. <laughs> god damn. <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> So, so uh, in Fat Man, uh, the story seems to revolve around a rich kid getting mad about getting coal as a Christmas present, and he immediately picks up his cell phone and calls a hitman that he apparently has on speed dial and puts a hit out on Santa Claus. Yeah, which I kind of felt we- the the setup for it was weird because before it shows you the kid getting the lump of coal. It shows Mel Gibson, Santa Claus, in a bar talking to one of the other patrons across the table. And he's like, how are the kids in the cold this year? <laughs> and he's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and then it goes to the the rich kid opening his, re- his present, you know, and finding it's cold. And then he's outside like, you've crossed the wrong motherfucker, right? And then he hires a professional killer to hunt down Santa Claus. So I'm not quite sure. I was like, that dad looked really poor, and he was in a poor man's bar. And then yeah. this kid's really rich and can hire a professional killer. I don't know. Yeah, that scene in the bar is one of the ones that stands out as odd. And this trailer was cut in a very weird way. It was. They They cut this trailer so that you don't really know what the movie is yeah maybe <laughs> it's weird like I, I i do get that vibe at some point but that might just be us you know just being like because mel gibson doesn't make a lot of movies and maybe they just had to cut it weird because there wasn't they had to do a lot of takes or something <laughs> kind of an old dude i could see i could i mean i respect mel gibson don't be wrong <laughs> i like the guy <laughs> as an actor but just looking at him i get the feeling that he's probably not the easiest to work with <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because i watch almost every mel gibson movie that comes out including just like the really obscure ones most people have never heard of and i will say over the last mm, six years or so every single movie mel gibson is in he has a black woman as his love interest which is very funny because you can tell they're doing it on purpose to be like, see, Mel Gibson isn't a racist. He's fine, guys. Look, he, he, did, has a- 
He definitely didn't reference a pack of any animals with a certain race of people. That did not happen. I mean, it's it's kind of almost uh, uh, necessary nowadays. You know, you have to have. It went from be- having a token black person, or you know, whatever that, even if that was ever a thing. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to project into a character of color <laughs> into a, on a movie, that would be a BIPOC <laughs> character of color, broadcaster Nichols. You know, please don't get us canceled. Yes, it's a wacky world we live in, but nonetheless, it it went from kind of this passive, casual, projected role, if you will, to this like enforcer standard role like you don't have a black person in your movie what (laughs) what are you racist (laughs) beforehand it was like oh here's the only black dude here we go (laughs) now it's like it's kind of weird it's like now they really are a token black person now you literally made it a token black person (laughs) well i think it's flipped totally the other direction now we have token white people like look at uh star wars squadrons that we reviewed last episode (laughs) they were there each side had a token white person it's pretty funny, yeah. honestly. It's just I think the the heart of the matter is is that anytime you try to control gender or ethnicity inside of a what you're trying to create is genuine, um, it just stands out. Mm. It just immediately pops out. You're just like, why are all these black women, or why is it all? transgender people or why it's like even when it's all white people it just doesn't feel unless it was like it's like a a historic piece and it's supposed to be all white people are all supposed to be black people then it just doesn't make sense it's like i my mind immediately picks this out (laughs) yeah and and that's a big deal in uh in uk right now the the british television industry has decided that they are going to do television shows about historical events of europe and just replace all the actors with black actors so like you're seeing like (laughs) imagine like king arthur like the tale of king (laughs) arthur and it's just all black people you know that's Uh what they're doing to everything over there it's it's so funny how these pendulum shifts happen and it's like yeah it was pretty lame when it there was just like one token black guy or like you know black people didn't get opportunities back in the day yeah that was all lame but now it's just flipping all the way over to the point where it's like you're not allowed to tell your history with accurate portrayals because you're afraid to be called racist we it makes you it makes you think sometimes when people say Jesus was black and you say, no, he wasn't. Look at all these things that show white Jesus. But then there's times like these where you're just like, damn, mm. that shit really does happen. It does. Maybe Jesus was black. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, I think it's most likely that uh, Jesus was an extraterrestrial. But No uh, doubt, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> if we're talking real here. Uh, but, uh, you know, one thing I noticed about this trailer right off the bat is it is made by Sabin Films, a.k.a. the Power Rangers Company. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that Jason Frank just got on Twitter <laughs> and green-lighted. The, or Ooh, told pun everybody, intended? Pun intended? No doubt. <laughs> he confirmed the green-lighting of a new, darker, grittier Power Rangers movie that's going to have the White Ranger he's playing. Uh, based off of the 1990s Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, so are you being real hap- right now? Yeah, I'm being real. I don't oh, know if shit. Sabian. I don't know if Sabian Films is behind it. They have to be. They, they own have the. To be. They yeah, are they so militant so about maybe, the rights to Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, so maybe this is just them 
getting money. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Mel Gibson, so they're like, let's just do an outrageous film that we know is going to just sell. <laughs> Man, well, if this movie's trailer is any indication, I think that uh, Saban Films is going in the correct direction because, no doubt. man, yeah. there were at least six amazing one liners from Gibson in this trailer. And this is a short, like, one and a half minute trailer, and he just utters some gold multiple times in this trailer. <laughs> it starts off with him being like, These kids ain't listening to me anymore. Maybe it's time to retire the coat. <laughs> I think what I do is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like a part towards the end of the trailer where fucking uh, Skinny Man, a.k.a. the the assassin, shows up and he's like, I've come for you, fat man. (laughs) And and it just pans to Mel Gibson with the straightest face you've ever seen. Straighter than the face when he was... Beautiful blue eyes. Dude, (laughs) he made a... a stronger, more straight face than he did when he was doing the William Wallace speech in Braveheart, okay? He looks and he just says, you think you're the first? Like, it was one of the, like, I got goosebumps, man. (laughs) You can just tell that Mel Gibson is taking this movie very fucking seriously with his delivery of these lines in this trailer. There's no doubt he thinks this is a serious movie. Well, I think, I mean, it's Mel Gibson's never been a comedian, but he has done serious movies. Well, I should. Yeah, he's done comedic roles in his past, like uh, Lethal Weapon and stuff like that. But those are kind of like comedy action. He's never been a stand up comedian. He's never done pure comedy roles. Well, he was the dad in uh, um uh, st- uh, stepfather or fathers or something like that. No, with Mark Wahlberg. It was Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. Yeah. yeah. No. It one, was. Was that the one with Will Ferrell? Yeah. And Mark it was. Wahlberg. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think so that's there... actually Daddy's Home too. I think it was yeah. the sequel to Daddy's Home. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are outliers, but mainly he's not a comedian, but he is. Oh, he, I think he's very self aware that. A lot of his more serious roles, like Edge of Darkness of late and other things, people get this dark sense of comedy out of his roles because of how serious he takes them. So maybe he might be capitalizing on because that's I mean, personally, that's why Edge of Darkness is stands out as such a great film to me, because if you look at the script for that movie, you're like, this is B schlock. <laughs> this is total <laughs> B schlock. But then you watch it and you're just like. Dude, Mel Gibson is hitting this out of the fucking park right now. What's going on? <laughs> so I think that's exactly going to be the case with this Fat Man movie. Is mm-hmm. just, you look at the if if you were not to watch that trailer, you just read that Fat Man script or trailer script. You're like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the premise of this movie makes it seem like it's a joke. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy when you see Mel Gibson delivering the lines in this trailer, because your brain is telling you this is a joke movie. This is this is like Spaceballs for Santa Claus. That's what this should be. That's what it feels like in my head. But then you see him just deliver these guttural, serious, dead serious lines. You're just like, God damn, dude. What is I happening know, here? I know the movies have nothing to do with each other, but when I first saw the trailer for Mandy with Nick Nick Cage. I was just like that's fucking really weird. 
and I'm excited about it. It's the same, <laughs> same feeling I'm getting for Batman. Totally, dude. <laughs> Little different, but same feeling. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm watching, but I'm pretty hard right now. <laughs> I think that uh, we are in for some serious Mel Gibson with this movie. I don't think this is going to be one he phones in. I just am not getting that vibe from the trailer. <laughs> but... uh what do you think about uh, Walton Goggins as Skinny Man? Do you like Walter Go- or Walton Goggins? Are you a fan of his? Uh, yeah, uh, I, his older stuff I'm a pretty big fan of. I think he was in S.H.I.E.L.D., wasn't he? With Dick Macy. <laughs> was he Dick Macy's partner? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I respect him from those days because who can't respect the S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he was also in Crazy Eight. Quentin Tarantino. Oh uh, shit! He's you also mean the Hateful Eight? Yeah, hateful you're eight. right, yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgot he was in that. He was so good in that too, and I forgot. For sure. it. Wow, For sure. well, I feel bad a, yeah. now, man. He's a phenomenal actor, but what I'm, I guess, what I'm saying is, is that he had he's had a couple misses, but he's also fucking great in Vice Principals. Yeah, that's what dude. I remember him the most yeah. from. He was amazing in Vice Principals. Uh, but he he has an old cow. He's he's been acting for a long time. He has some real losing. Uh, parts though like recently he's doing a show on Netflix I think or it's Amazon Prime our brother's watching it right now and it's oh just, god I, the unicorn I, yeah unicorn and I Why really is... wanted to watch it and I just like I got past the first two episodes and I'm just like he shouldn't be playing uh, a human comedic role he should he's really good at playing bad people he's really good at doing villains or more serious people like in uh, Bites Principles is a really good role for him. Mm-hmm. He a, kind of a bad person, but over the progression of the series, he be, he gets humanized a little bit, you know, and he becomes yeah. a little, you know, you start to feel for him a little bit more. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It, it. I saw the trailer for the unicorn and I felt bad for him. I was like, God damn, dude, you <laughs> yeah, must need did. you must have needed some money. I don't think he did. I think it's honestly him trying to like appeal to the times, I th- you know, because if you watch it, it's kind of it. It's really cringy. Dude, the trailer was super cringy. What the fuck is our uh, little brother doing watching that show? We need to uh, set up an intervention, don't we? This is not good. Terrible taste. This, yeah, th- this is a red alert. I think I I had no idea he was seriously watching such filth. He also watches Lucifer. <laughs> that one I'm not surprised by. <laughs> that one I totally totally get. But the the unicorn is shocking even even for him. Yeah, that show's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to like it because I saw Walton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I like him too, and I I could totally see him as a hitman. It's funny too, like I never thought of him as a hitman, but as soon as I watched this trailer, I'm just like, yeah, he's totally a hitman. Like it just makes sense. He looks like one. Oh yeah, dude, he totally like that fucking smile, dude. That uh-huh. <laughs> he's like uh, um, uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, good like, comparison. Like I know they're not related, but when I when I first saw that smile, I, I honestly thought they were kind of related because mm-hmm. their teeth. I was like, ah, oh, they just got this like killer teeth. <laughs> Maybe they learned to act at like the same like 
acting troupe or something and they were taught to smile the same way because i do feel like they have a weird smile in common which is interesting i think it just got god gave them some fucking immaculate grills (laughs) (laughs) well most people in hollywood were born with uh hunter biden's teeth and then they replaced them with veneers so let's not give them too much credit (laughs) over there (laughs) (laughs) you've seen the pictures uh, so this movie, it seems like it's going to end with a crazy one-on-one battle between Skinny Man and Fat Man. Yes. And I cannot fucking wait. The The few seconds it showed from this final battle, like, you see, like, C4 explosions going off in barns. You see fucking Skinny Man screaming into the sky in the middle of, like, a snowy field and shit. Like, it just seems like it's going to be epic as fuck. I got the epic vibe for about five seconds in. Yeah. <laughs> Which I recommend anybody listening to go watch that trailer right now. Pause the shit and go watch it because that's an amazing trailer. It was. It is a compelling trailer. Very, very, like, think of the difference between our last preview, Free Guy. That trailer literally made me not want to watch the movie anymore. <laughs> this This trailer is the exact opposite. I was like, what is this? Watch the trailer. I have to watch this as if my life depended on it. Yeah. Well, the difference is, is Free Guy, in my opinion, my assumption, is a bad movie that needs good press or creative press to make it look great. As the opposite, Batman can already tell it's going to be a phenomenal movie and needs no press at all. And they just can shave a little slice off the block and give it to him and be like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, broadcaster Nichols, all of that being said, do you give fat man the thumbs up, the thumbs down or the dreaded side thumb? I give it one enthusiastic Obama thumb. (laughs) You can keep that thumb. <laughs> yeah, definitely thumbs up for me. Uh I'm this is probably my most excited. I'm mo- I'm more excited for this movie than I think I am any other movie coming out in 2020. I think this is skyrocketed to the top of my list for what's coming. And there, I get it. That's not a high bar. There ain't too much coming out the last 3 months, but there are a few. Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. This definitely passed that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that we're definitely going to end up reviewing this movie as well too. So no doubt, we shall see. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our review of Who Be Halloween? I'm not prepared. You should have brought a snack. And we're back with our review of Steve Brill's Hubie Halloween. And the creators of this movie describe it as the following. It's October 31st in Salem, Massachusetts, and a town's eccentric, devoted community volunteer and the good-natured object of his fellow citizens' derision and meanest pranks finds himself in the midst of a real investigation for a real murderer. Broadcaster Nichols. What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was the official hypnosis <laughs> of this movie, and goddamn, that's one of the worst. That's folks, one of the worst ones folks, we've ever I read. Just wanna, I just want to point it out right now. 
That is a terrible <laughs> synopsis, and it does not reflect the quality of the movie at all. No, this hypnosis reads like someone that wanted to sabotage this movie and get people to not watch it. <laughs> it's terrible. So, so there's definite elements of old school Sandler. Like you, you have basically the character he plays in this movie is Bobby Boucher from Waterboy, but grown up and also. <laughs> maybe less stupid but maybe not they kind of <laughs> like, leave it am- maybe less stupid. <laughs> they, they make it ambiguous like uh, oh this well, boy straight up retarded <laughs> yeah like they make it they try and act like okay he isn't retarded but then maybe he's like, he is he's like he's genius retarded he's a savant mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know it, they they're you know what one of the themes of this movie is mixed signals there are multiple characters and multiple storylines that just give you mixed signals in this movie, and it's <laughs> it's a little weird at times. It's definitely an Adam Sandler movie. It is, and and I think personally that Adam Sandler turned in his best comedic performance since the turn of the century. I don't think he's actually been funnier in anything in the post-2000 era. What do you think? I don't know. I can't think of anything, no. His last... Three other Netflix movies or whatever were garbage. I also wasn't a big fan of the ones he did way before that. Uh, what is it? The hairdresser guy, like the flamboyant. Oh, don't mess with yeah. Zohan. Yeah, Zohan. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a fan. I think the Zohan is probably his second best of the post 2000 era, but I also wasn't a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. It was funny and it had some genuinely funny moments, but. Overall, it felt like he was trying too hard. <laughs> it did. I don't know. I, at the time, I thought I was just getting out of Adam Sandler, but I think he just lost it back then. Well, he was coming off Spanglish and fucking. Oh yeah, he, he didn't was, know what he wanted man to do. Trying to be serious. I yeah, that. yeah. It, he he has this thing where he. I think he wrestles with his identity as a comedic actor and he, he I think he takes to heart like the derision he gets from people like hating Adam Sandler is a pretty popular position. Like people love to hate on Adam Sandler. I don't know why guys fucking legend. Well, well, yeah, I think that most of the people that hate on him didn't grow up with his movies from the 90s. So like he was a fucking legend in the 90s. And into the early 2000s. And then in the late 2000s, he started to fall off the boat. Yeah. But, no doubt. But yeah, I think that he did really good in this movie. I didn't find the Waterboy impression to be too off-putting. Like, you would think maybe, ah, I've already seen Waterboy. I don't want to see Bobby Boucher again. But he changed it just enough to where it didn't annoy you. And you didn't feel like he was just rehashing. Yeah, it- there's there's themes in this movie. It's unique. I I don't think this is a spoiler or a spoiler esque. The movie obviously is a Halloween movie. And you're <laughs> well, obvious- it's in the title. <laughs> yeah, and you're obviously going to see a bunch of Ben Stiller's reoccurring actors. You know, and you're gonna a lot of the times you're gonna see rather straight up some re some people reprise their roles you said wait 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 you meant adam sandler right because you said ben stiller (laughs) well again ben stiller is an actor it 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 is to the point you know like you're gonna see like the uh, some actors that you know from adam sandler movies play previous roles are kind of roles that are loosely based on 
what they played in other movies and i it, well some are loose the Halloween and some are costume dude, which is so, kind of funny it, listen weird <laughs> so you're right there is literally a cameo from every single adam sandler movie that exists except Absolutely. for spanglish there's no yeah. spanglish cameo other than spanglish every other adam sandler movie is covered in sure. this movie and it's it's incredible and some of some of the cameos are deep. Some of them are shallow. Some of them are for a few minutes. Some of them are for half the movie. And <laughs> some of them are the exact character from an older movie that shouldn't exist in this new movie. And you're just scratching your head like, whoa, what? <laughs> and I, I, I will talk more about that in the spoiler section, but the, you will not be lonely while watching this movie. If you grew up watching Adam Sandler movies and you just want to watch this as like, oh, I miss Adam Sandler. You know, I, I miss all these movies. It's going to be like going to a high school reunion for you because you're going to see everyone, every single person, except for Alan Covert. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he did to piss off Adam Sandler, but uh uh, Alan Which Covert's like the only guy that doesn't have a fucking cameo in this movie. Who's Alan Covert? Grandma's boy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in like every Adam Sandler's movie except for this one. It's very weird. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't in even the peripheral Adam Sandler movies. The ones he just produced, Happy Madison films. The one with Kevin James and the. Uh, oh, you're talking about Grown Ups. Yeah, I think he, I think he did have a cameo in Grown Ups, didn't he? Did he? I don't think he did. Now that <sighs> I'm thinking about it, might, that movie's mm. purpose is to actually let all of his other actors flourish. That was like one of the points of some of those other peripheral movies, and he mm. didn't even show up in those. I don't know. I feel like well, okay, if he was in Grown Ups, it was like a very quick cameo, one scene cameo. That's usually what he does, though. It is usually what he does. He was except the cameraman for... and Happy Gilmore, he was. Uh, I mean, he was also the cameraman in Heavyweights. Yes, he was. And guess yeah. what? The director, Steve Brill of Hubie Halloween. Let me let me go down this list because this guy is like a, a undercover legend. So he wrote the Mighty Ducks trilogy. He wrote Heavyweights and he wrote Little Nicky. He directed Heavyweights, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, Without a Paddle, and Drillbit Taylor. All of those are great comedies. Like this, he has made some great movies, written and directed some great movies. I mean, I I know the Mighty Ducks is a kid's movie. I grew up with the Mighty Ducks. I I mean, Emilio Estevez is like my fucking, he's my sports coach dad. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, he is a cool dude and he wrote that dude. Emilio nowadays, guys. Emilio. (laughs) You're not going to be impressed. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this director who made uh, Hub- Hubie Halloween, he has, has a pedigree, man. And wow, I was surprised when I found that out. I thought that he was a no-namer when I first saw his name. I'm like, I've never heard of Steve Brill. Who is this guy? And I looked, I'm like, God damn, man, you you influenced my childhood in multiple ways. That's crazy. Yeah. Heavyweights but, is one of my favorite classics of all time. That's, that's yeah. Heavyweights is one of those kids' movies that could never exist today. Absolutely not. <laughs> like if you made Heavyweights today, like it would be people would have pitchforks out. They would be calling for you to be executed for even d- yeah. dare making the we'll movie. Have movies <laughs> premise is fat shaming, <laughs> and it's a fucking Disney movie, yeah. a Disney kids' movie. 
And you know what? It was made in 1995. That wasn't too long ago. <laughs> Today, you would literally get drawn and quartered for making heavyweights. <laughs> oh, what a great movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Alan Covert. I don't know what you did to piss off Adam Sandler, but I hope you bounce back, buddy. <laughs> uh, one of the things I didn't like much about this movie, a lot of kid and teenager scenes. They focused a little bit on the kids to the point where I almost felt like they were trying to make a teen comedy. And for me, Adam Sandler, he was making adult comedies for teenagers in the 90s. like. Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. These movies were not kids' movies, but they appealed to kids. I was a kid when that when those movies came out, and they were fucking awesome. It seems like he might be falling for the trap of trying to make kids' movies to appeal to kids, which is not the way to go, in my opinion. Yeah. I might just be thinking that's the mentality of viewers nowadays, which is bad. For Maybe. <laughs> and, and I will say that I'll temper it a little bit. The whole movie isn't kids. It's... I want to what I want to put it like twenty percent of the movie, maybe twenty five at the most. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's kid friendly, and there's also that kid from Stranger Things in there. So, oh he's, god, he's I didn't little, even realize that was him. He hit yeah, puberty. He, yeah. He oh puberty. shit, man! The Stranger Things the- kid hits puberty, and he's in yeah. Huey Halloween. Shit. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> he grew up in such a short amount of time. Dude, he was the one who like coughed up the fucking the alien goo into the sink, right at the end of season one. Or yeah, he is the main kid. Wow. Okay. Now, now that's where you know you're getting old. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> like that. I, I kind of saw it like you know he's kind of like getting some relevant kid actors in there give him some spotlight you know it also needs to be kin friendly and also mm-hmm. needs to be kid relevant you know so I thought it was a good move a solid move but it didn't really it wasn't parts of the movie that really pertained to us but. yeah and you know that's a great segue into another thought I have about this movie is that it takes place in current time and it's re- it resists that trend that's in Hollywood right now to set every movie into the 80s, Stranger Things style. Ironically, we have a Stranger Things kid actor in this movie, and he resisted that. And I'm I'm happy he did, because I love the 80s. I love all that shit. But I think it's being overused at this point. And I think this movie didn't need to do that, and I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, the 80s is kind of like what zombie was ten, 10 years ago. You know, it was. I mean, zombies <laughs> just being oversaturated. Zombies and vampires, zombies and vampires, werewolves. Well, actually, it was first it was zombies, then it was vampire and werewolves. Mm-hmm. Then it was superheroes, and then 80s nostalgia kind of came in parallel writing with superheroes. And I feel like they're running neck and neck, and I'm wondering which one's going to die first. <laughs> <laughs> do, you th- do you think we've gone full circle and we're going to go back to vampires and werewolves again soon? Fuck you, no. <laughs> I feel like we are. It's you like fashion. Trends. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, uh, most of this movie revolves around the entire cast making relentless fun of Hubie Dubois, which, by the way, is I feel like it's sort of an homage to Bobby Boucher. Bobby totally Boucher, it totally Hubie is. Dubois. It kind of yeah. has like the same cadence. It's Creel. It's Creel. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, and I, I I like the fact that he tied his old movies into this so strongly. I think it was a good move. I mean, there were some parts where it was kind of hit or miss for me, just comedy wise. But mm-hmm. the the main things was his attention to detail. Connect. 
I don't want to say too much, but he did a really great job just bringing the most important famous elements of all of his previous movies into this and, and oh, yeah. didn't do it in a stupid way, in a cringy way. They were really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, I think it's a good movie. Um, the one thing I will say is that if you are sensitive to bullying, you might be triggered by this movie because literally everyone like the entire movie all the way to the very end is just relentless bullying of Adam Sandler's character in multiple ways, multiple demographics. Every character essentially in this movie is the enemy of Adam Sandler, except for one, his love interest. And, uh, if, if you're someone that's bothered by that, like, you might get triggered by this. There is just a shitload of bullying in this movie. <laughs> Don't be a pussy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm guessing that our audience isn't going to be the type triggered by bullying. So this is probably falling on deaf ears, but it's just one thing that I noticed that if I knew someone that was like, you know, really sensitive to bullying and it really like brought back bad memories or something. I might tell them, yeah, maybe skip this one. But uh, yeah, overall uh, broadcaster Nichols, before we get to our spoiler section, do you recommend Hubie Halloween to those who have not seen it yet and are about to turn off this podcast? Absolutely. Mm. It's, it's a great one. I like it. Yeah. Especially for Halloween. It's one of those movies you can rewatch. You can, you know, especially if you have kids or something like that. Yeah, I Again, could see this not, becoming a Halloween tradition for some families. Yeah, yeah it's a good, it, and it's kind of refreshing too, especially because you know we just previewed a Santa Claus movie. It's it, that looks really good. It's just it's kind of refreshing to see that there's some holiday based movies coming out here that you can see yourself watching again. <laughs> you know like, that doesn't happen a lot i mean the last time i really was into a holiday movie let me think i think it was bad santa yep i was about to say you bad know? billy bob and then, yeah and then before <laughs> that i think it was um arnold schwarzenegger and um jingle, jingle all, the way. all the way yep and then before that it was tim allen with the santa claus i think the santa you know? claus actually came out after jingle all the way Really? They were super close to each other. Oh, man, you might be right. Yeah. yeah, I think Santa Claus came out like a year or two after Jingle All the Way. But yeah. either way, they're in the same, the same area. Yeah. yeah. And then before that, it was, you know... Uh, Die Hard. Uh, I like where your mind's at, but <laughs> I'm going to go with more in the same vein type movie, which would be National Va- uh, Vacation. Or, uh, oh, Christmas National Vacation. Na- yeah, Christmas Vacation. Oh, dude. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Christmas Vacation is one of those movies. It's like one of those movies that's underrated but isn't underrated. Like you say it's underrated. But it's like, it's Trevi Chase. Everyone knows him. It's not underrated, you fool. I still feel like that movie's underrated. And it, you know what? It's not because of Chevy Chase either. Broadcaster Nichols, why is that movie underrated? <laughs> I'll just I'll <laughs> give you – I'll just say one thing. It has the Quaid seal of approval. <laughs> All right. Damn straight. And by the way, follow Randy Quaid on Twitter if you haven't already. Thank me later, crack Beware. seller denizens. Thank me later. That is a 
as a class S anomaly right there. <laughs> Approaching with, <laughs> approach with caution. Uh, yeah. So I will say that I also recommend this movie. I a hundred percent recommend it to anyone that is a fan of Adam Sandler movies to someone that is an Adam Sandler sort of skeptic, or maybe you're maybe even borderline hater. I would say you should still check it out. I think that this movie, it's not going to change any really settled minds on Adam Sandler. But if you're like a fence sitter on Adam Sandler and you're like, eh, I could go either way. This movie might actually be for you. And I say go in and you go in hot. This movie opens up with our man, Ben Stiller, reprising his role from Happy Gilmore. How fucking awesome was that? Dude, it was one of the best parts. Dude, dude, it's so funny. Like, you know how like it starts and you can't really see his face yet, but you hear his voice. I instantly, not (laughs) only did I instantly recognize it was Ben Stiller, I instantly recognized that it was his character from Happy Gilmore, the fucking old home. (laughs) Dude, talk about a man that doesn't forget a character. Uh, Patrick Stewart, go go do some lessons with Ben Stiller, because Ben Stiller took this character from the mid-90s, and he channeled it into his chi perfectly to a, I'm just like shocked by it. It is amazing. Great great opening scene for this movie it's a shame he didn't show up more Mm -hmm. (laughs) i knew that it was probably his only scene but i was really holding out hope that he'd be like it maybe in the very final scene too maybe there'd be a scene where they go back to the loony bin and he does some stuff with them but it didn't end up happening unfortunately yes yeah he has so many people he packed in though like it's oh god yeah except for alan covert rest in peace (laughs) Alan Covert. i mean this movie is just fucking packed mm-hmm. with people i mean you got steve buscemi you got mm-hmm. fucking colin quinn my boy mm-hmm. colin quinn showing yeah. up fucking shack shack was the most shocking cameo of this entire entire movie and man <laughs> I, I i wrestled between do i love this or i hate this when it came to shack's character in this movie what do you think about that because it's like you have this radio narrator who is doing the radio as Hubie goes through his day and you hear her on the radio the whole movie. <laughs> and then at the very end of the movie, you show up at this radio station and you see Shaq is doing the voice. It is shocking. It is disturbing. No, but I also kind of like it. It's Shaq's girlfriend with the manly voice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was probably the weirdest cameo of the entire movie. (laughs) I think that the Colin Quinn might have been the most boring cameo of the movie. I love Colin Quinn, but I feel like that he was in one scene and he was basically just macking on uh, what's her name? Uh, The the lead Bowen. The, the girl from Happy Gilmore, who is also the love interest in this movie. Oh, yeah. Veronica or whatever. Yeah. She's basically, basically, it's just her at this kid's party. And then Adam Sandler shows up and Colin Quinn's like the janitor. And he's just there macking on her. And it it wasn't that funny. And he, it was like one thirty second scene. I was like, dude, Colin Quinn's a legend. You should have given him a little more meat on the bone. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what Colin Quinn's from, too. 
Because he was in a previous. He's been in previous Adam Sandler movies. Has he? he in? Yeah, I know. I'd have to. Maybe think my about mind's that. playing tricks on me, but I swear he he's kind of like a he's more of a fringe one. But he's what's the one where it's the football one, like the Longest Yard or whatever? Wait, was Adam Sandler in the remake of the Longest Yard? <laughs> he he did the remake. He the did, did he? Yard. I totally forgot about that movie. I think uh, maybe that's maybe where he was that from. One. I don't know. Yeah. I might be thinking. I might be making it up because I'm. I mean, he wasn't just, in Waterboy, right? I don't think so. He I don't wasn't coach. Yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. On well. The, wasn't, well, either way, I think Colin, I think Colin Quinn deserved a little, a little more heat yeah, on the plate. He did. he did. Yeah, Ray Liotta got more heat. Oh, on the dude, plate. Ray Liotta <laughs> got a lot. He he had a huge role in this movie. I always like seeing Ray Liotta show up. Yeah, I loved Ray Liotta, but I feel like his character was a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> he really hated that retard. Yeah. <laughs> Like it, when we're talking like about how this is this movie is just basically a giant anti-bullying PSA when it really boils <laughs> down, Ray Liotta is bully number one. Yeah, and his and his excuse at the end was like not was not uh, character saving at all. He's no. just like, well, I just don't like him because he's he's smart of me, but he's dumb like a retard. So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> and, and this this and this brings up one of my main problems I have with this movie, and it's not a big problem because this is a comedy. This is like a dumb comedy movie, and you're not supposed to think too deep into it. So I'm not gonna judge it the same way I'm gonna judge a new Blade Runner movie as an example. But I still have some problems with this movie, and one of those problems is Ray Liotta. And this end scene where he is talking about, oh, you know, he uses big words and, you know, I, I'm dyslexic and I, I'm stupid and I don't like big words. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, wait a second, this entire movie, you've basically been showing Adam Sandler to be a total fucking retard. And now you're trying to tell us that Ray Liotta doesn't like him because he's smart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like his and the end scene wasn't character saving at all. It. it Ray Liotta, I love I love Ray Liotta. I love him in almost everything I've ever seen him in. I don't love him in this movie. I think he's okay in this movie, and I think he was written very oddly. Yeah, for sure. But, but he's one always thing- played I think what the I think what happened was is Ray Liotta has always played an asshole. Mm-hmm. Some movies he's a lovable asshole. Yeah. But for the most part, he's a villain. <laughs> I like him and the I most in the Chantrix yeah. commercials. <laughs> that's some solid acting he does <laughs> i hope his i hope his uh lawyers aren't listening yeah. I, when when he's like i kicked cigarettes so easy i just imagine like them going cut and then immediately lighting a cigarette. oh dude you know dude nah dude ray liotta's a cigar man he probably doesn't even smoke cigarettes he probably i think he that. smokes both at the same time I guarantee you there's an audio tape, maybe videotape of him saying, and I quote, cigarettes are for pussies <laughs> and has a cigar <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. One thing I did really like, though, were the basically all of these giant uh, sort of like scene capturing moments. Like there's sort of sectors of this movie where it all takes place at a grocery store. Then it all takes place at a school then it all takes place at a house party and like and then, like, a bunch of scenes kind of cascade from these locations. Whenever 
you are going from one of these overall locations to the other, there's this bike riding scene with Adam Sandler where he's riding his little shitty bike through either the neighborhood or through a field or whatever. And every time, people are just throwing random shit. <laughs> I fucking love that. It reminded me of, like, SNL. Like, it was really fucking hilarious, I thought. And and it got funnier. It reminded me of Trailer Park Boys, the fucking trailer kids throwing <laughs> yeah. bottles at Leahy. That's true. I didn't even think of that angle. It's one of those things that gets funnier the more it happens. Bottle kids! <laughs> like, the first time it happens, you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then it happens again, and you giggle again. And then it happens a third time, and you giggle even harder. Then it happens the fourth time, and you just start laughing. You're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, it, the movie kind of had this uncomfortable uh relationship with making fun of a disabled person Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it was like that was like at the core of some of the comedy of this movie but they somehow danced around it enough with you know you think that's why they added the ray leota line at the end to whitewash the rest of the movie oh absolutely they were trying to (laughs) absolve it we weren't making fun of a retard he's the genius of the movie guys see ray leota said it you trust ray leota don't you it's classic (laughs) (laughs) self-absolvement you know i think who stood out the most to me was kevin james yeah Kevin James hit it out of the park. I don't see him in a lot, but when he does show up, he fucking hits it out of the park. He, what was he? Paul Blart? Mm-hmm. Paul Cop? Yeah. Love that movie. Dude, he kind of reprised a more serious cop role in this yeah. one. And uh, he, yeah. fucking, he knew how to play a sleazy cop. He did. And the thing that I'll say about him in this movie is that his his genuine hatred for Adam Sandler's character was palpable like you when when you have actors pretending to hate other actors because it's what the characters are supposed to do in the movie sometimes you can kind of see through it like you just be like oh these boys were having beers right after they shot the scene you know this is dumb with this movie in these scenes that he has with adam sandler you can like feel his hatred of that character like he does not like adam sandler and you can just feel it and i think that that's all for him, that's all his acting performance that that made that happen. That would be so funny if you found out they actually fucking hate each other. <laughs> Adam's like, you know what? I know you hate me, but I got this role for you. And I really want you to channel that hate, <laughs> dude. Like, how genuine was that scene where he's like telling Adam Sandler, "Listen." I need to recruit you into a secret op called the ANU or whatever the fuck it was, where. Listen, you're going to collect information from us and then you're going to put it in a dumpster, but you can never talk to us again forever. Like the way he delivered that scene, it was so believable. Like you could just say like this guy really does not like this guy. and He really wants him to go away forever. <laughs> I appreciated that from him. Like that, those are the type of acting performances you don't usually get in stupid comedies like this. He delivered it for sure. It's so funny you say that because now that I'm reflecting on it, I'm just like, you know, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But uh man, this movie in general. <laughs> oh what about a uh, fucking what was his name? It was Walter Steve Buscemi's Oh character. yeah, Steve Buscemi's character. Which was by the way, Steve Buscemi he he had like one of the main characters of this movie. 
Yeah. He was probably the weirdest fucking role in this movie. It was. It was. And, like, Billy Madison is the cameo that he originates from. He was the lipstick killer guy who wrote the list of names of people he was going to kill. Yeah. And, and Billy Madison. And it was just interesting to see him sort of pop up in this movie and not just have a cameo, but basically be one of the leads. Yeah. He he had a lot more time than I you would expect going into the movie. Oh, for sure. Like, he had 30 seconds in Billy Madison. He had 30 minutes in this movie. I think I think Adam Sandler was just trying to see who was available the most. Like, all right, you get the most screen time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But, uh... Yeah. One person that was in this movie that isn't a cameo that I wish would have had more time is Kenan Thompson from Kenan and Kel. Yeah. He, I love, I, like, I really love Kenan Thompson. Like, everything I've ever seen him in, I love. I love his comedy on SNL. He's one of my favorite people in general in, like, my underrated comedic actors list. He's, like, number one on it. No one knows who he is unless you grew up with Kenan and Kel. And he gets no work, and he gets no respect, but I swear to God, the man is funny as fuck. Go back and watch Good Burger. Oh, for Good sure. Burger is the Keenan and Kel movie, basically. That movie is fucking hilarious, and it holds up to this day. I think he just kind of got... I don't think he got taken seriously as an actor, because, and there's no offense to him, but he never really got in shape. He always kind of stayed... Out, really out of shape and dude and a rotund see, black man is great for comedy and we all he, know that <laughs> yeah but i mean there's just I, look I at just, farmer dan and louise man they were like fucking half the comedy of this movie <laughs> yeah for sure don't get me wrong but i just don't think hollywood took him seriously but he was no they did comedy wise the guy was solid he it's was. kind of a shame he's <clears throat> just kind of sequestered to uh snl <laughs> yeah he really did not get much screen time in this movie. Like, I want to say, like, maybe 15 minutes. That yeah, might be was, pushing it. Maybe 10 he, minutes. Yeah. Well, I, every... Because he... Was there any other cops besides him and Kevin James? No. It was this him and Kevin James, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really weird. He, he could have easily been... Him and Kevin James honestly could have probably worked off each other a lot in certain scenes. Maybe they just didn't like each other. Maybe Kevin James doesn't like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin <laughs> James. He's like, wait a minute. Keenan's the other cop? Yeah. You said I was the cop. Yeah, there's two cops. All right, well. Not anymore. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. the lion's share of cop time. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of cock time, uh, circling, cock time? <laughs> circling back to Ray Liotta, how cringe was it when he was hitting on the high school girls at that fucking haunted house? That is uh, textbook li- <laughs> Ray Liotta right there. Dude, so. <laughs> when, that, when that was happening, I like felt shame for him as the scene was unfolding. Yeah. Like My heart felt his shame in that moment. Yeah, that's moment. what they call third-party shame. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the, I'm embarrassed <laughs> for this person right now. Ray Liotta, man, th- this is a weird movie for Ray Liotta. <laughs> it, <He's, laughs> 
He's so old, he probably doesn't give a flying fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, he's doing Chantix commercials, so he's in it for the check. We know that for sure. He's doing the Chantix commercials for way long before he had gray hair, bro. Yeah, like he was like 32 when he started Chantix commercials, <laughs> yeah, and he's like pushing 65 <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, he was doing them commercials back when I was pretty young. <laughs> yeah, but uh, going back to Steve Buscemi a little bit. I was kind of confused by his character, Walter Lambert. And this is one, another one of those situations where it's like, am I going too deep into this? This is a dumb comedy. I should probably stay a little bit more shallow. But they were very unclear to me whether or not he was really a werewolf or if he was just a crazy person. What did you, like, when when this movie finished... What were you thinking about his character, like, overall? like Legitimately a crazy person. <laughs> so you think he was a crazy person? Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. Okay, well, well here's what I'm going to say that, to me, invalidates that, and it's confusing to me. When Adam Sandler breaks into his house, the boarded-up house, he goes, <laughs> he falls into a hole in the ground that's, like, his basement, and he's looking around, and he finds Steve Buscemi crawled up in a corner He's like, oh, no, you know, acting like a werewolf and everything. And, you know, Adam Sandler is just doing his little thing like, oh, what are you doing down here, man? Everything okay? <laughs> At this point, Steve Buscemi gets up and he, like, does, like, a Anbu Naruto ninja dash through the basement, up the ladder, upstairs. That, to me, looked supernatural. That did not that did not look like a crazy person waddling up a staircase. It looked supernatural as fuck. And to me, that's super confusing when you're putting stuff that implies he is really a supernatural entity, then also implying he's just a crazy dude needs to go back to the loony bin. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something funny to play with. <laughs> I don't know. The, the progression of his character in the movie, I just kind of wrote him off as some dude trying to convince people he's a werewolf. <laughs> especially, especially dude, at the end, I just I died at the end. And he's just like, he's like, don't forget about me. <laughs> right and i think it would have been better if they didn't leave confusing elements like that that imply he's really a werewolf because i would prefer to just believe he's a crazy person and make the movie more funny i mean we're not the comedy geniuses though <laughs> so who knows yeah how many comedies have you written daniel well, I mean, there's also the other part at the very end where uh, Paul Bart Mall Cop is like, I just don't understand why Adam Sandler's mom had to kill the pig. And he's like, oh, nah, dude, I was just hungry for a midnight snack. And you're just like, well, wait a second. This is another confusing thing because it's like if you're just a crazy person, you're not going to go kill some pig and then eat it raw. Like, that's not crazy. That's like satanic. You're going. You're crossing be, some lines here. He could be staging all that, though. You yeah, know? I don't Again, know. To he's me, trying to convince people. He's to doing me, all this shit. to me, that implicates that he's really a werewolf. And I, again, I, I fully admit that I'm going too deep into this, and that you're not supposed to. It's an Adam Sandler goofy comedy, but little things like that kind of bug me. So I just wanted to point it out. I feel you. Yeah. But I feel it. Farmer Dan and Louise, I swear to God, those were the funniest. Like, it's so weird. I don't know who either of those two are actor-wise. I've never seen 
I think Farmer Dan is actually in Better Call Saul. So I know who he is, but I've only seen him in Better Call Saul. And he's like basically a mute in that show. So like he doesn't <laughs> yeah. he doesn't talk and he doesn't have funny quips or anything. In this movie, man, there are two scenes, one at their farm and then one at the police station that are some of the funniest shit. Like Paul Bart is interviewing him about the pig that got eaten by Steve Buscemi, apparently. And his wife just comes out and, like, starts talking shit. And they, they start talking shit to each other. And they just get into, like, this fucking knuckle-dragging brawl or fight of, like, your, your mama's so fat, she break off furniture. <laughs> like, at least my mama never blew up our toilet, so we had to replace it. And, like, it's just, like, some really cutting, cutting fighting stuff in them. And my favorite part of it was at the end, <laughs> like... Uh, Farmer Dan was just in there like, oh, I love that pig. Peanut was my friend. Who could do this? And then Farmer Louise comes up and like, we going to eat Peanut tonight. <laughs> like, it was just one of the funniest lines in the entire movie for my money. They also had some scenes in the police station that were pretty funny. Not quite as funny as that, but like still, like they had like a great dynamic against each other. I, I think that they must know each other in real life. They oh, had too sure. much chemistry. <laughs> for sure. Their chemistry was startling. What did you think about Rob Schneider, though, in this movie? I thought he was... He kind of let me down. Mm. Won't lie. Yeah. Because I, I knew he was going to be in the movie. Uh, by the time, like, you know, like, after... I think he only showed up, like, two-thirds of the way of the movie. Right? Uh, Maybe halfway through. Right. So, So, basically, the movie starts with an insane prison person or, you know, loony bin person escaping the loony bin. And that person's name is Hartman. That's the person that was with Ben Stiller in that opening scene that we love so much. He wasn't actually there. He had escaped and left a little message. So in this movie, the entire way through the movie, they imply that this guy is the killer and that he's the villain of the movie. And then eventually, like, at the very end of the movie... He just shows up in Steve Buscemi's house and it's like, hey, dude, we need to talk. And like, then they just like bro out and go turn themselves into a police station. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Keenan. <laughs> I think this is Rob Schneider's worst role. I don't think I've ever seen him be less funny in anything. Rob other hasn't than this. been funny for a while. Yeah, he he Hot has kind of lost his Sorry. edge. Yeah, no, you're right. He has lost his edge for sure. I actually think Rob Schneider's funniest performance isn't even in an Adam Sandler movie. You know what I think it is? What? Down Periscope. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, with fucking uh, Frasier? Yep, with fucking Frasier. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, Down Periscope, he was fucking hilarious in that movie. And he has lost eight steps since then. He is not funny in this. He, His character isn't written to be funny. His character isn't written to be him. I think that no. uh, God rest his soul, Alan Covert would have been a better person <laughs> for the Hartman role. It just, it, it isn't, it didn't Alan, make sense. Alan, hit us up. We can give you some, <laughs> some ad space on the podcast. We'd also love to have you as a guest. Um, <laughs> we can, you know, shout out any social media creds you got. Uh, 
but, what's up? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So so he's Rob Schneider's supposed to be the the villain, and then like there's this scene where they're all in like this house together, like all the main adult characters, and they're like, "Who did it? Who done it?" Like tr- like Clue style, trying to figure out who the murderer is. And Adam Sandler proclaims, "I know who it is. It's Steve Buscemi, man. He's a werewolf." And then it cues to Steve Buscemi with. Uh, Rob Schneider at the police station with Keenan Thompson being like, oh yeah, you know, we're just chilling here and you know, things are happening and let's go back to the loony bin. <laughs> and uh, it totally breaks the entire premise of what we're seeing. So now we're set up for the big twist. And then the big twist ends up being that it, it was Hubie's mom who was the villain the entire time. I like the twist because it's unbelievable and it shocked me and I was genuinely surprised by it. I don't like it because it is so unbelievable. It is not a believable twist. There is no way this old ass woman who can barely waddle herself upstairs abducted five people that are able-bodied, young, and virulent and was able to not only subdue them but then hang them by stakes like Jesus Give me a yeah. fucking break. Well, you got to suspend the disbelief a little bit. Big what, time for that. What I one. didn't like is they didn't they didn't take it to the limit. Like when when I saw <laughs> that she was the ended up being the villain, I was like, oh, she's insane. But it really, it turned into being a lesson. It's like you shouldn't shame my son. But yeah. she threw the match. <laughs> like it was expecting his great aim to put it out. I'm just like, man. I was like, you guys should have really just casted her as a crazy bitch that should be put in the insane asylum yeah. that you guys had in this movie the whole time. <laughs> yeah, this movie felt like it could have gone multiple directions, and they they really tried to ride the line between those two directions. It never wants to fully be like a serious comedy, and it never wants to be a serious or a goofy comedy. It like wants to like teeter the line between the two. Yeah, and I think that this twist would have worked a lot better if she was genuinely villainous instead of like, I'm just really a good mom that's protective of her son, which is what it like ends up being. And it's like, no, because if you're going to do this shit, you're a fucking crazy evil bitch. And you're not going to just like, you know, have like an after school special at the end. It is really weird. The more and more I think about the ending, it's like 50, 50 for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it kind of sucked. It was good though. I just feel like they're, they, it just did like the the mentality of the lady like the character just wasn't fully developed it's like well you go all the way 99 percent, and then the one percent is supposed to be the redeeming stopping point of the story (laughs) it's like no 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 (laughs) that bitch is crazy (laughs) no way and it was set up perfectly too because one of my favorite parts about this movie are the t-shirts that the mom wore throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. These t-shirts were like, <laughs> I, I I don't know if they're real or if they had them custom made, but they were incredible. Uh, I did like the slow-mo though of Sandler throwing the soup on the match. What did you, what did you think about that? Cause it was like a parody almost of like MacGyver shit. <laughs> yeah. It felt like a parody of MacGyver. I don't know. Again, I just thought it was stupid. <laughs> it's like that's the linchpin <laughs> to save from three or four people burning down. <laughs> yeah. Good thing the retard has an epic aim with this fucking Swiss <laughs> fucking thermostat or thermos. Yeah. I think another big contribution the mom made 
was the boner meme. So the very beginning of this movie, the very first weird shirt she has on is something to do with boners. I forget exactly what it was, but Adam Sandler's character walks up to her and is like, Hey, what's up? What's your, up with your shirt? And she's like, well, I don't know what a boner means. I think it's a mistake. <laughs> and he, and he just takes it to heart immediately at the very beginning of this movie. And the rest of the movie, he refers to every mistake he makes as a boner. I think that that is some of the more genuine comedy from Adam Sandler in this movie. His delivery of those boner lines. I think it's... Sorry, that was my boner. (laughs) I think it has double meaning, too, because I think boner actually really meant something along those lines back in the day. (laughs) Maybe. That's a good point. Real boner. Well, speaking of boners, Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crackseller Podcast, we have a segment called The Hit, The Miss, and The Whiff. Broadcaster Nichols, what is your hit? Uh, I would say Kevin James. Mm. <laughs> Kevin James is the is the sheriff, or I guess. Is that, was, is that who he was? Yeah. Is he just a cop? Just a cop, whatever. <laughs> it it felt like he was the sheriff, but he wasn't. Yeah, it, it's very unclear what he is, but he's the quote unquote lead cop. We'll call yeah. him the lead cop. I was a pretty big fan of his character. <laughs> I just like Kevin James. I wish he'd show up in more movies. Yeah, I think he has too much money now. I think he just doesn't care. So I, he probably only did this movie because he's boys with Adam Sandler. He's like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. His genuine hatred just like really just embodied the his role. It and did. It, it it just again it came off genuine and I loved it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he had one of the more genuine performances in the movie. So I will agree with you there. And I just I, I always like seeing shady, greasy cops that always especially when the actors got that iconic like semi open mouth kind of disdain look you know like eh, looking like they're licking their upper lip trying to reach their mustache or something like that you know like (laughs) he did it well yeah well my hit is ben stiller in the cold open reprising his role as the evil old folks home manager in happy gilmore when i saw him doing this all i could think about is the scene with him and Happy Gilmore's grandma in the fucking <laughs> in the sweatshop in the old folks home making quilts or whatever, and him, and him just telling her to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, remember that scene where he just like says, "Oh yeah, dude." <laughs> <laughs> like, I like it was great. That was one. Of, that was a very powerful use of nostalgia. By Adam Sandler. By having him come in, not as just a general cameo of Ben Stiller, but actually reprising a role from a previous Adam Sandler movie in a very like specific way. I thought that was genius, and I loved it. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? It's funny, you said it way early in the in the spoiler section, but it was Colin Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Quinn was I miss. I was like, because he's my he's one of my favorite fucking comedians. And I was like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh sweet. And then I was like, yep. wow, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was such a just, weird little scene. Yeah. Not only was he casted wrong, but he got like very little time. He should have been. He, and what he got wasn't written that well either. It's like 
he kind of got boned in this movie, I'd say. Real boner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a real boner. <laughs> well, my miss is Rob Schneider as Hartman. When when he when that whole thing happened and it's revealed that Hartman is Rob Schneider, it killed the Hartman character for me. It just killed it. And the whole premise of this movie from the beginning was there's this escaped loony, you know, Michael Myers style. Like, basically, Rob Schneider, his Hartman character was supposed to be a Michael Myers character. And instead, it ended up Rob Schneider with no comedic edge and a weird afro with, like, three scenes strung together where he is absolutely not funny, absolutely doesn't fit the character, and absolutely looks bored to even be in the movie. He does. He really does look bored. <laughs> that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff? My whiff is actually a combination of your hit and miss. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought fucking Ben Stiller in the beginning was definitely a hit. Like it was just I, I one of the best parts of the movie. It gave me a lot of nostalgia and it just reminded me that Ben Stiller needs to get back to comedic acting. Yes. <laughs> but the, when you see him and then you see the escape, you're like, well, you, you think you might naturally you think you might see a little bit more of Ben Stiller, but then you end up getting uh Rob Snyder's character from mm-hmm. the insane asylum, but he sucks. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even want to play the character. You can tell he's mm-hmm. this is lame duck. And so it was kind of just like, What did you guys do? There was like a huge whiff. Like, you know, there's a missed opportunity there. You guys should have replaced the roles a little bit. Like give Rob Snyder a one off scene in the beginning. And fucking let Ben Stiller be the fucking reoccurring guy that has to go get fucking the escaped uh, uh, insane person. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That's kind of a complex whiff. I think that's probably the most complex whiff you've ever come up with. I like it. Yeah. You're, you're saying they underuse Ben Stiller and they overuse Rob Schneider. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that might just be, again, like I said in the very beginning, availability. Probably. He had a lot of people in this movie. And Ben Stiller is another one of those guys that's so fucking rich, he does not have to do anything. He probably did this as a favor. In fact, I think that you can kind of say that this movie is proof that everyone that works with Adam Sandler loves him. Because they all showed back up for this movie. Everyone. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, every friend you ever had in your entire life showing up for, like, your 80th birthday? That's sort of what this movie feels like. a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of those people are made by him. Yeah, true that, true that. Ah, that being said, my whiff is Ray Liotta at the end of this movie, <laughs> crying like a little bitch, saying, oh, I hate Adam Sandler because he uses big words. Yeah. I wanted to rip my eyes out of my sockets when I was seeing this scene. I wanted Not only- to go chug a half gallon and... Remember Goodfellas. Yeah, exactly. Not only does this just (laughs) desecrate the memory of Ray Liotta and every other movie he's ever done, literally, except for this one, but it it did not fit the character in the movie. It didn't fit him as an actor. It didn't fit the writing throughout the rest of the movie. It even just like conflicted with the overall persona of Ray Liotta himself. Nothing about this scene was genuine. It felt so contrived and cringy and unbelievable. And it 
it is the definition of a whiff for me. I could hear the air whiffing as the scene was going on in my head. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crack Cellar, we use the patented official Joker rating system. On that system, what do you rate Hubie Halloween? After careful deliberation and consideration, I give it one Kevin Spacey. I'm sorry. <laughs> hold on. Cut. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I'm going to give it a give it a Heath Ledger. No, you know what? That's not right. I'm going I'm to bump it up. I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to give it one. What's right? <laughs> What's wrong with Heath Ledger? <laughs> God damn it, broadcaster Nichols. I'm too old for this shit. I forgot. There's a Jack Nicholson's right above Heath Ledger. Affirmative. Okay. I'm going to give it a Jack Nicholson. I mean, I think the movie it, it rides close to a Heath Ledger. A C, if you will. It's a B, B, actually. if you will. (laughs) (laughs) The expert on the Joker rating system, Broadcaster Nichols, everyone. (laughs) I'm going to have to get a chart and put it above my desk. (laughs) Anyways, I think it just, it kind of hovers around that line, you know, where it's like, eh. I think it's close to mid-tier, but I think such little holiday movies come out that are of at least that uh, arise to such a standard or go past it that I'm going to give it an A, you know, mm-hmm. I think it deserves it. Yeah. I too will give it a Jack. I'm going to give it a simple Jack, uh, borderline <laughs> for sure. And, you know, with the Ben Stiller, connection to this movie simple very jack is very meta, meta. yeah very meta <laughs> so i'm gonna stand strong that's what by we that. do folks <laughs> we're meta dogs <laughs> yeah we never go full retard here on the crack seller podcast no oh, no i go retard a lot <laughs> this is not the best adam sandler movie it is not a happy gilmore it is not a billy madison I do think it's right up there on the same level as a Mr. Deed, so or uh, Big Daddy. I think it's right there in that tier of Adam Sandler. And for most Adam Sandler fans, that's a pretty big upgrade because we've been dealing with some drivel lately. It's it's this interesting middle ground that I think is actually going to capture some some new audience. I feel like this movie is going to capture a different audience for Adam Sandler. And with that, we will close out. I'm proud to be an American. Odoyle rules! <laughs>